So I, I want to start today with a question for you, not the person next to you, not for your kids around you, for you. And I just want you to answer honestly. In other words, don't answer with what you hope is true. Just answer what is true. You right? You ready? Um, are you a glass half full or a glass half empty kind of person? What, what, what are you? Now, you, you know the right answer. What's the real answer? In other words, what, what would the majority of people around you say? Like when, when life doesn't happen the way you want it to, you look at that glass and you know, there's some emptiness there. It's not overflowing anymore. It's, it's actually, there, there's some that's missing and it's empty. When life isn't going the way you want or there's a real deep problem in your life, do you think to yourself, God's got this? Or do you think, I'm screwed? Like what... What is it for you? In other words, are you, are you living a little bit more by faith or are you living more by fear? Now, I'll tell you what I do. When I want an honest answer, not what I hope is true, I ask one person, my wife, all right? Um, isn't it funny how, how often your spouse can be so brutally honest with you? Um, Jamie is not brutal, but she sure is honest, all right? She'll give me the honest truth. And so I asked her this exact question almost two years ago, because I really wanted to know for myself. And here was her exact answer. She said, you know what you are? You're about 50-50. And I thought to myself, oh, like at first I thought, well, maybe I could, I could think of it positively. Like, you know, that means half the time I'm leading with faith. But what I really thought was this, that means over 50% or around 50% of the time, I'm living a life and I'm operating in a way that's not pleasing to God. It's not. Because Hebrews 11:6 6 says this. Without faith, say it out loud, it's what? Say the bold. It's impossible. Did you know that? Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And if that verse, like if that hits you the way it hits me, you, you may need to know this today. Without growing our faith, and we have to grow our faith, it's impossible to live a life that's actually pleasing to God. Now, what is faith? If you're like, well, what do you mean by faith? Uh, just a few verses earlier in Hebrews chapter 11, uh, we get a definition of faith. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Remember that. In other words, when you look at that glass and it's half empty or more than half empty and you see a gap, you see an emptiness in your life and you don't know what to do. And I, I don't mean any area of your life. It could be in your marriage. It could be with anxiety. It could be with a family issue or work. Or it could be with infidelity. I mean, the list could go on and on and on. There's still a way, no matter what gap you feel, to have assurance and to not lose hope that God is still good and he's up to something even when you can't see it. I wish that I could tell you as your pastor that I live every day that way. But I already told you, my wife, I gave it away, right? She already told me I don't. And I know that about myself that I don't. In fact, I was thinking, you know, it was, it was years ago, I, I was going through something where I could not see with my eyes away through a certain like obstacle and, and issue I was facing. It was right in front of me. It was such a big obstacle. I just couldn't see a way over it. I couldn't see a way through it. 
And when I know something's really bothering me with fear, um, I start waking up around 2 or 3 a.m. Anybody else? Like 2 or 3 a.m., I just wake up like clockwork, and it's like it just, it just consumes me. And then it, even when I wake up later in the morning, it's like it just consumes me. And I know I'm dealing with something. And I finally got to the point where I said, I gotta share this with, with my community and, and people around me. And I, I, I grabbed one person, uh, Dave Stone, who's a teaching pastor here at CCV, and I just began to, to share with him what I was going through and some of the fears I had, some of the anxiety that was kind of deep inside of me, even some of the inadequacy I was feeling. And, and he was so good. He, you know, he listened and he was great. And then he said something at the end of our conversation that became a definitive moment, I felt like, in my life, and here's what he said to me. He said, Ashley, as I see it, you have two choices. You can lead with faith, or you can lead with fear. You choose one or the other, but you can't choose both. And I'm just telling you, that pierced my heart the way it's piercing someone else's heart here today. And God used that as, de as a defining moment in my life to say, Ashley, you have no idea what's on the line if you don't start leading through a lens of faith, not fear. And so what I wanna do today for all of us, myself included, is I wanna open up scripture and I wanna show you what's on the line in your life and mine if we don't start living more by faith and less by fear. And we're going to do that again by looking at the life of Elisha. That's who we've been looking at through this whole entire series. And today we pick up in 2 Kings chapter 6, if you want to turn there. And the context of what's going on in Elisha's life is he is in deep trouble. In fact, the king of Syria has been chasing Elisha and his servant, these two godly men that he wants to track down, he wants to capture and likely kill. And it's a massive army that's coming after him. In fact, Elisha keeps avoiding him. And so the king of Syria sends out spies to find out where Elisha's at. And he says, when you find him, tell me, because I'm coming after him. Second Kings chapter 6, verse 14 says this. The report came back to the king. He is in Dothan. Now, that's a verse that you could gloss past and think nothing of. But the, the place Dothan, I think, is really, really significant because the, the city of Dothan, which wasn't huge, but this city is only mentioned twice in the entire Bible. Once here where Elisha is in a predicament where he's toast. I mean, it's, it's not good. The only other place Dothan's mentioned in the entire Bible, Dothan is the city where Joseph's brothers took him to throw him in a pit and kill him. In other words, Dothan represents that thing in your life right now that you have no idea how God could move through it, what he could do, you are stuck. Dothan is that pit you're in. And I want you to just pause for a moment. I just want you to ask yourself, just, just be honest, what's your Dothan right now? It could be anything in your life. What is that place in your life that you have such a hard time seeing through a lens of faith versus being crippled in fear? Well, Elisha is in trouble, some, maybe in the way that some of us feel in trouble, because the very next verse, verse 14, says this, the king, he sent horses and chariots and a strong force to Dothan, that's there, 
And they went by night, and in other words, they were secretive, and they surrounded the entire city. Now, just picture this for just a minute. It's the city of Dothan. Most historians believe the king of Syria had a force of 100,000, at least, fighting warriors that are going to surround this city to capture and kill two men. Now, you remember the Hunger Games when they said, may the odds be ever in your favor? What do you do when the odds are not in your favor? And what we're going to see next is we're going to see the difference between two men, Elisha and his servant. One of them is going to lead through a lens of faith, and the other is going to look through a lens of fear. And I want you to see so clearly today what's on the line between what you choose. Watch this. Verse 15, when the servant of the man of God, he's leading by fear, you'll see this, got up, went out early in the morning, maybe he had a 2 or 3 a.m. wake up like some of us, and he, what did he see? An army with horses and chariots had surrounded the entire city. He sees it. He thinks we're done. And he says, oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Now we know he's being led by fear because Elisha's next response is this. Verse 16, don't be afraid. The prophet answered, those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Now, just put yourself in Elisha's servant's shoes for a second. You're thinking probably this, has Elisha been smoking something? <laughs> Don't worry. There's two of us. I know 100,000 of them. We got more, brother. You're like, no, we don't. No, we don't. With that as a context, I just want you to feel the emotion of the very next verse. Just let God speak to you through this. Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he can do what? He can see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire. This is from God's army all surrounding Elisha. This servant, because of his fear, couldn't see what Elisha could see through the lens of faith. And when it says that Elisha prayed for him and he saw it, that's the Hebrew word that's pronounced raha, which to me sounds like what English word? Aha! I didn't see it. I couldn't see it because I was looking through a lens of fear, not faith. So the very first spiritual principle I want God to just speak into your life today is this. Fear will blind you to a future God can only show you by faith. Did you know that fear will absolutely blind your eyes to what God can only show you through faith? And some of you today, you are crippled by fear and you are not seeing what God wants to show you. And that should scare you to death. That should give you fear. Not what you're dealing with. And I, I've been there so many times. I mean, so many times I have been there. If you were with us last week, you know that I, I shared with you some really tough news that we've been dealing with. 
that my wife Jamie was, was just recently this year diagnosed with cancer and it, it, man, it struck us hard as a family. And I told you my immediate reaction was not faith, it was fear, deep fear. And I told you last weekend that, that God allowed us to quickly move to look through a lens of faith in this situation. And I think one of the biggest misperceptions you could have from me telling you that is that's how I always live. I promise you it's not true. In fact, I was talking this week to a, a 20-something-year-old woman who, who found out she had cancer when she was pregnant. And I could hear the guilt in her voice that years ago when this happened that she ran from God and she was so afraid and she didn't lead with faith and she said, I didn't do what you did. And I stopped her and I said, listen, we led by faith this time, but I think that's only because in the past we've led by fear so many times, so many times. And we did. I mean, God gave Jamie and I the ability to look at this through the lens of faith which I praise God for, but that's just not always been the case. But when we made that decision to look through the lens of faith, our very next thing we had to figure out is how do we tell our kids? When you tell your kids, mom has cancer, you know fear is gonna cripple them. And we wanted to figure out as a, as a family, I was like, I'm, I wanna lead my family. How can I help my kids lead through a lens of faith through this so God can grow them versus a lens of fear? So here's what Jamie and I decided to do. We sat down our kids. They had no idea the bombshell that's getting ready to be dropped in their lap. And we very calmly, I basically said this. I, mean, I was like, wasn't down, I wasn't crying. I was just like, hey, mom and I are gonna tell you some news. But before we do, I wanna ask you a question. I want you to just answer. On a scale of one to 10, when you look back on our life, our whole entire life as a family, how faithful has God been to our family? And my youngest daughter immediately said 10 out of 10. I said, well, that's a good start. But what happened next? I, I, I mean, the emotion even saying it, it, it was a holy moment for our family. My middle daughter blurted out immediately, not 10 out of 10, Dad, 11 out of 10. That became the mantra for our family. We put it as screensavers on our phones. We told people, we posted it in our house. When Jamie and I put, we put it in our shower, so every morning when we showered, we just saw the words 11 out of 10. That's the kind of God we serve. And when we told our girls, we said, you just said, we serve a God that's 11 out of 10. We're gonna share some tough news with you, but we're gonna look at it through a lens of faith, not fear, and we drop that bombshell. And I'm not saying everything was perfect from there on out, but we have just tried so hard. God, help us lead through a lens of faith, not by fear, because we serve an 11 out of 10 kind of God. I mean, in this story, when Elisha's surrounded by an army of 100,000, God didn't say, I'll match that army 100,000 for 100,000. God said, I'll give what? I'll bring more. I'll surround more of my army around you, because that's the kind of God we serve. And listen, I'm not saying there aren't times that you're going to lead with, that you're going to look through a lens of fear. You will. It's, it, it's okay to be afraid on occasion, okay? Don't, don't hear that. But isn't there a really big difference between having fear, the presence of fear occasionally, versus living in the prison of fear? Isn't there a difference between 
hey, I've got some fear right now, but I'm not gonna live every day with the spirit of fear, amen? What does 2 Timothy 1.7 tell us? God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power and love and self-discipline, which means what? If you have a spirit of fear right now, God didn't give that to you. That came from your enemy. And you need to know that. God doesn't dish out fear. He wants you to lead with faith. In fact, in Scripture, do you know there's only two things in Scripture we're told to fear? Only two. God, do you know the second one? And nothing. We are to fear God and nothing. And yet so many of us, we wake up in the morning with a spirit of fear that carries us day after day after day. Don't miss this. Why does Satan like to dish fear into your life? Because the moment he captures you with the spirit of fear, you will be blind to what God wants to show you by faith, including the solution to whatever you're dealing with. This, this messes me up about the story. Do you understand when that servant got up and he was blind, God had already provided a solution to the problem, he just couldn't see it. And that messes me up. I mean, there's a businessman here today, like you, you run a business or maybe you're even out of work or you have a family issue and you're dealing with something that is just, it kind of, it wakes you up in the morning, you got that 3 a.m. wake up and, and it's just messing with you. And I'm just telling you, God's already provided a solution, but you'll miss it if you lead with fear, not faith. My heart breaks for marriages. You just need to know this. My heart breaks relationally for relationships and marriages that are hurting and there's someone here today and you're getting ready to walk away from a marriage because you don't see a solution. I'm telling you, God's already provided the solution, but you'll miss it if you lead with fear. You'll miss it. In fact, I wanna tell you about a scientific study where science is now catching up with the Bible. Did you know that happens all the time in science? Like we think, well, the science and Bible don't. No, science is actually always catching up with the truth of scripture. I'll, I'll tell you about one scientific study that was done recently. It's fascinating to me. Dr. Richard um, Wiseman, he, he did this study where he actually gathered hundreds of people together and he gave them all the exact same assignment. But before he gave them the assignment, in this study, he asked every single person to just self-identify as either lucky or unlucky. Now, it's just a rudimentary way of saying, do you wake up every day and you're like, as a Christian, we'd be like, God's got this. Or do you wake up every, every day and be like, oh man, my life sucks. I'm so, oh. Like, what, how do you wake up? He's asked him to identify. All right? So then he gave him the assignment. He handed him a newspaper. He said, all I want you to do is count the pictures in this newspaper, and if you get it right, I will give you a $100 bill. Now, the correct answer is there was 42 pictures in this newspaper. What he didn't tell them is that on the, the, one of the first pages when you flip the newspaper to count the pictures was a half-page ad on the newspaper that said, stop counting, there's 42 pictures, go collect your $100. 
In fact, it wasn't just one. Later on in the newspaper, he put another half-page ad in case they missed that one. There's 42 pictures. Go collect your $100. Here's what he found. Almost every person that identified as unlucky missed that half-page ad. And almost every person that identified as lucky, they saw it and went and collected their $100. And what does this tell us from secular science that's catching up even with what God tells us? That when you lead through a lens of fear, you will miss what only God wants to show you by faith. And hearing that, here's what some of you think, but I want to lead by faith. Like, what would I do to develop my faith so I don't miss all the things that God wants to show around me? And that's a great question. And listen, what you're doing right now is one of them. I don't want to discount. Being consistent in church is so powerful. It transforms your life. And some of you miss weekends. You miss periods of time where you're not in church. And you wonder why your faith starts to drop, why fear starts to go up. In fact, some of you, let me just say this, this summer, you missed a ton of church. And you're on vacations and having fun, and yet you're still wondering, why am I feeling more empty? Because you're not pouring into your faith. There's so many things you can do to build your faith, from reading scripture to praying, but I wanna open this text today, and I wanna show you from the text the key in my opinion, one of, the, one of the biggest keys to ever discovering how to live by faith and not by fear. Let's go back to the story. When Elisha's servant could not see the solution God gave because of his fear, how did God open his eyes? How did he do it? Through Elisha, through community coming around him to open his eyes. So here's the second spiritual principle. To see your future by faith, you have to be surrounded by the right community of faith. Here's the reality. You won't wake up every day living by faith. I don't. No way. You'll wake up many days with fear. That's a reality. And I'll just tell you personally, when I wake up, and fear has my eyes shut. And I'm like, but I can't see, God. I don't know what you're doing. I can't tell you the number of times that the community I've surrounded myself, the right community in faith, has taken my eyes that are pride shut, and they're like this. Open your eyes. They have pried my eyes open so I can begin to see by faith. It's happened so many times in my life, it's not even funny. What's, what's interesting to me is that when we get fearful, is our natural inclination to run to community or run away from it? We run away from it. In fact, we isolate ourselves in fear. It's one of Satan's greatest tricks in your life is you isolate yourself. And what happens is isolation blinds you with fear while community is the one thing that will allow you to be able to see by faith. And that is why if you come to CCV, you know this. We are constantly challenging you and I will never stop challenging you to get your life into a faith-filled community 
of people around you from your church so God can open your eyes to see what you can't see on your own. And we think that happens best in a CCV group, a group of people from your church. It's from your church, Christians from your church, that you can do life with. And some of you aren't in a group because you're like, well, I already have community. I have community. I got my buddies I go drinking with. I got my, my friends I go golfing with. I got the girls I go to the spa with. I have people that I like play games online with. I have community. I'm not asking if you have people around you. I'm asking do you have the right people around you? And that makes all the difference in the world. If you don't have a strong group of followers of Jesus from your church around you right now, not that you know as an acquaintance, but that you're doing life with, that know you and know your struggles and what you're going through and they come alongside and praying for you and being there for you, you are missing what God wants to show you, period. I mean, think about Elisha's servant for a minute. Let's say he wasn't with Elisha, he wasn't in godly community, and he's in the same situation and same fear or obstacle that you're facing right now, you're Dothan. Let's say your marriage is hurting. You surround yourself with the wrong community. You know the best advice you might get? Do leave that loser. Leave that beep. You know, I don't know what you're hearing, right? Listen, if you're being abused, run. And you hear that from me, run. But we serve a God, I don't care what your marriage issue is, that he can solve any marriage issue, anyone. And if you don't believe that, I don't know what kind of God you serve, but you serve a very small God. You don't serve the God I know in scripture that takes dead things and raises them from the grave. But if you don't have the right community around you, you will never see the solution God wants to give you in your marriage. And you're missing it right now. Some of you have a work situation. Some of you own businesses, and I love that. And you, you need career advice and, and advice for your company. Do you understand? You get the wrong advice from the wrong community, and it can crater your business and your career. You may be one community away from God transforming your career and your company. But it takes godly community around you. That's how God works. Some of you with anxiety or your mental health, if you don't have the right community of faith around you, do you know the best advice you might get is smoke this or take this medication? I am not anti-medication when it comes to mental health, by the way, I'm not. There are sometimes deep chemical imbalances that, that we need some help with to be able to deal with that, but what almost all of you know, if you're struggling with your mental health, all of you know this, almost all of you know this, that beneath some of the chemical stuff going on, there's a deeper issue. And until you deal with this deeper issue, the medication could actually mask dealing with this, and you'll never deal with this until you invite God and the right community around you to do what Romans 12, 2 said, which is, God says this, I came to renew your mind. God can't do that if you don't surround yourself with the right Community. I'll say it this strongly. How are you supposed to think correctly surrounded by the wrong community? You answer that. How can you begin to think correctly surrounded by the wrong community? You can't. Scripture says that. 1 Corinthians 15, bad company corrupts good character. You're toast. 
That's why God's greatest desire for some of you today is you're here today for God to wake you up and open your eyes that you need to get into a CCV group. You need to get godly community around you. You have to. And you have no excuse. No more excuses. Time. I don't know. I'm anxious. No more excuses. Did you know right now at CCV across all of our campuses, we have 1,106 CCV groups meeting across the valley? Which means what? We have a group near you and for you. Even those of you that join online from other states, we have groups online for you. There's no excuses. You say, well, what is a CCV group? It's simply a gathering of about 10 to 15 people, some larger, some smaller, that, that do life together throughout the week. They might gather for an hour or so and open God's word and pray for each other and maybe, maybe discuss the weekend message. A lot of them do. And it's a way to really do life and, and for God to open your eyes to what he wants you to see. And listen, you don't need to know scripture. You don't even know how to pray. You don't even have to be a follower of Jesus to get into a group. There's a group for everyone at CCV, and we have so many different kinds of groups. We have young marrieds groups, couples groups, singles groups, men's groups, women's groups. We have groups for parents that have special needs kids. We have young adult groups, and I could go on and on and on. There's a group for everyone. And what I want to show you right now is I want to show you one of the 1,106 groups. I want to show you the story of how God used a group to open Emma's eyes to what he wanted her to see. Watch this. And also just allow us to um, even learn more about Emma um, as she goes deeper and deeper sharing her story, God. And I just thank you for this opportunity and this group and just pray this in Jesus' name. So July 2020, like in the middle of COVID, is when I moved out here. And so it was scary to move out here because I didn't have a good community. I didn't have any community. Um, and as soon as CCV opened up the doors, I knew that I had to get out of my comfort zone and I had to go and I had to build, start building that community. Like I, when I moved out here, I was, freshly sober um, and I just didn't really know much. I was newer to the faith and I just, I knew I needed that strong community around me. And so leading up into group, going to group, it was so much anxiety and just going into the unknown and I just kept feeling like I was being told that like I was the only one who dealt with abuse, who dealt with addiction, who went through a divorce, and I was just scared to be alone. Um, but as, as soon as I went into that group, I was immediately just met with so much love and acceptance. Um, and they just, they just came alongside of me and they were able to speak truth into my life and just kind of guide me and help me grow in my faith and point me back to Christ and just keep me on the on that path of pursuing him and they helped me realize that I'm not defined by the things of my past 
um, I find my identity in Christ and in Christ alone, and they really helped me realize all of that. Fast forward to December, last December, I felt the need and the desire for just other women to come alongside and do life together and to continue to build each other up and just pursue the Lord together and talk about the difficult things. And I was thinking if I was feeling that, there had to have been so many more others who were feeling that. And so I talked to the associate pastor about starting a group and he said, let's go. Let's get your group up and going. And now I have you guys. And this has been like the best thing ever because we really like just come alongside of each other and just lean into each other when we need it the most. And it makes me so happy that I get a front row seat to like see you guys grow. And then also like to just lean into you guys as well. You made me cry. <laughs> you made me cry. I don't know if everyone's like gotten a chance to witness, but being like your co-lead, like I get to see some of the behind the scenes of how you care for this group and like even just your heart and how intentional you are. Well, you also mentioned how when you went to your first group, you really just felt like alone and like nervous. I think you've done a really great job at eliminating that feeling, at least for me when I walked in here. Like it's so hard to be vulnerable in faith, especially when you haven't been in a really long time or almost ever. So being able to just walk in here and like, I told you guys, like I thought I was just gonna turtle. And I didn't, and I, I didn't, and I was genuinely surprised me that I didn't do it. And I remember texting you, I was like, I didn't turtle. You're like, I know, I'm so proud. <laughs> and I just like, I love being here and, cause I love all of you guys, but you brought us together and you keep us together and you make sure we're all in touch with one another and there for each other, whether it's prayer or just, hey, <laughs> like what's going on? And um, that's awesome. And I'm so blessed and grateful to you and all of you that you have provided that for us. That's what it looks like for God to open your eyes in community. And every single person in that group, God's opening their eyes to who they really are, what he wants for them, and the solutions he has for their life for anything they're dealing with. I, I love that Emma stepped out even now to lead a group. And that might be the next step for some of you is to go lead a group because with what God's doing at our church and the, the growth we're seeing across the valley, one of the greatest needs we have is for leaders to step up and lead more groups because we want people in community and the question is, do you have the right community today? Do you? Not do you have people, do you have the right people in your life? And with 1,106 groups, every group's not for everybody, and everybody's not for every group, but there's a group for everybody, which means there's a group for you. And if you think, well, how would I, I wouldn't even know how I'd even choose one of those groups. If you get on the website or our mobile app right now, you can type in your address and a map will pull up all the groups around you. You can click on any of those groups, look at the details, look at the people, look what they do, and it gives you so much information. And if that's even overwhelming to you, we're launching a new tool this week that's a concierge service 
for getting people into groups. It's called Group Placer. And if it's on our app or our website, you just give us, if you'll just give us a little bit of information about you, as a concierge service, we will send you a few groups that we think are perfect for you. You have no more excuses. God wants to get you in community. I'm telling you, you brought someone here to do that. As in, in fact, when I was thinking back this week on my life, I thought every single breakthrough I've had in my life, every barrier I've got through, every hurdle I've, I've overcome, everything good God's done in my life has happened in the context of being a part of, group, of, of a group I've been in in the church I'm at, including here at CCV. When I was in my, just coming out of college, I had some embedded sin as, as a man in my life that I, that I needed to deal with. And it was in a group with some other men that God began to transform my heart. When Jamie and I got newly married, our marriage was a mess. We joined a young marrieds group and then we've been a part of some married groups since then. And, and man, I'm just telling you, what God's done in our marriage is miraculous and it happened in community. I told you last week about our finances and our financial messes and we got into a group that was studying a financial series and that, to this day, that small group changed our life. When we became new parents, we were clueless. And we got into a group here at CCV with some other parents, and to this day, it, it shaped our parenting. I could go on and on and on. What I told you about Jamie's cancer, one of the first people we called is our CCV group. And they have been such a community of support and comfort for us, praying for us. Some of the times we think, well, as I get older, I might need community a little less. I'm kind of a little more mature. The, the fear kind of goes away, right? The fear doesn't go away the older you get. My opinion, it gets deeper. Anybody trying to raise a teenager or young adult in this culture? Anybody, anybody trying to deal with aging parents right now? Anybody trying to live your faith out in a world that's lost its mind? There's never a point in your life that you don't need community. So listen to me. Fear will blind you to a future God can only show you by faith. And the only way you'll see what God wants to show you about your future is if you get the right faith community around you. So I'm gonna do right now what Elisha did with his servant when he was not seeing what God wanted him to see. Elisha prayed for God to open his eyes. I'm gonna pray right now that God opens your eyes to take a step of faith today to not let another day go by without getting on the app, getting on our website, or just walking out of this service right now and heading straight to our guest services or our Next Step Center so someone can help you get plugged into community so God can open your eyes to what he wants you to see. Let's pray. Father, thank you for a church that's so passionate, not just about gathering people in rows, but about getting people in circles. And you know as a church, we truly believe that life change happens dramatically when you surround yourself with the right people in community. And there's people right here that know they don't have it. They've made tons of excuses. And today's the day they say no more excuses. And I just wanna pray for them right now that you give them the courage and the boldness to not, not only sign up for a group, but to show up. And maybe to make a commitment for one month. Make a commitment for one month that you'll show up to that group and test God to see if he's not faithful and true to opening your eyes and transforming your life when you start leading through the context of godly community. 
Father, we thank you for what you're doing in our church and we praise you now in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, can we give it up for all God's doing in our church? I, I love you guys. I've loved this series. We're gonna continue this series next week and I think it's a perfect opportunity for you not to come alone. Invite someone with you and until then, let's go out and lead with faith over fear. Love you, CCV.